Section 9 of Mother Earth Number 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Mother Earth Number 3, Section 9. Paternalistic Government by Theodore Schroeder. History serves no purpose to those who cannot or do not avail themselves of it as a means of learning helpful lessons for present use. From a few sources not readily accessible to the masses, I have copied a partial summary of paternalistic legislation which even the most devout devotees to mass or ruling class wisdom would now decline to defend. It is helpful, perhaps, to look back to the persistent fallacious assumption that men can be made frugal and useful members of society by laws and edicts. Every thoughtful student feels sure that future generations will look upon our present efforts to regulate the self-regarding activities of humans with the same cynical leer as that which now flits over our faces as we read the following. The earliest sumptuary law was passed 215 B.C., enacted that no woman should own more than half an ounce of gold, or wear a dress of different colors, or ride in a carriage in the city, or in any town or within a mile of it, unless on occasion of public sacrifices. This law was repealed in twenty years. In 181 B.C., a law was passed limiting the number of guests at entertainments. In 161 B.C., it was provided that at certain festivals named, the expense of entertainments should not exceed one hundred asses, and on ten other days of each month should not exceed ten asses. Later on it was allowed that two hundred asses, valued at about three hundred dollars, be spent upon marriage days. A statute under Julian extended the privileges of extravagance on certain occasions to the equivalent of ten dollars and fifty dollars upon marriage feasts. Under Tiberius, one hundred dollars was made the limit of expense for entertainments. Julius Caesar proposed another law by which actual magistrates, or magistrates-elect, should not dine abroad except at certain prescribed places. Sumptuary laws, that is to say, laws which profess to regulate minutely what people shall eat and drink, what guests they shall entertain, what clothes they shall wear, what armor they shall possess, what limits shall be put to their property, what expense they shall incur at their funerals, were considered by the early and middle ages as absolutely necessary for the proper government of mankind. Tiberius issued an edict against people kissing each other when they met and against tavern-keepers selling pastry. Lysurgus even prohibited finely decorated ceilings and doors. In England, the statutes of laborers, reciting the pestilence and scarcity of servants, made it compulsory on every person who had no merchandise, craft, or land on which to live, to serve at fixed wages, otherwise to be committed to gale till he found sureties. At a latter day, all men between twelve and sixty, not employed, were compelled to hire themselves as servants in husbandry, and unmarried women between twelve and forty were also liable to be hired, otherwise to be imprisoned. All this, of course, was to compel people of modest wealth 
to remain among the laboring class purely for their own good but they were quite impartial in enforcing benefits since the star chamber also assumed to find persons for not accepting knighthood compulsion was also used at the time of the reformation to uphold the protestant faith and keep people in the right way refusing to confess or receive the sacrament was first made subject to fine or imprisonment and a second offence was a felony punishable by death and involved forfeiture of land and goods those who having no lawful excuse failed to attend the parish church in the time of elizabeth were fined twelve pence at that time a considerable sum this penalty was afterwards altered to twenty pounds a month but those were exempted who did not obstinately refuse the penalty on all above sixteen who neglected to go for a month was abjuration of the realm and to return to the realm thereafter was felony and two-thirds of the rent of the offender's lands might also be seized till he conformed an ordinance of edward the third in thirteen thirty six prohibited any man having more than two courses at any meal each mess was to have only two sorts of victuals and it was prescribed how far one could mix sauce with his pottage except on feast days when three courses at most were allowable the licinian law limited the quantity of meat to be used the orsian law limited the expense of a private entertainment and the number of guests and for like reasons the censors degraded a senator because ten pounds weight of silver plate was found in his house julius caesar was almost as good a reformer as our modern puritans he restrained certain classes from using litters embroidered robes and jewels limited the extent of feasts enabled bailiffs to break into the houses of rich citizens and snatch the forbidden meats from off the tables and we are told that the market swarmed with informers who profited by providing the guilt of all who bought and sold there so in carthage a law was passed to restrain the exorbitant expense of marriage feasts it having been found that the great hanno took occasion of his daughter's marriage to feast and corrupt the senate and the populace and gain them over to his designs the venic court established by charlemagne in westphalia put every saxon to death who broke his fast during lent james the second of aragon in twelve thirty four ordained that his subjects should not have more than two dishes and each dressed in one way only unless it was game of his own killing the statue of diet in thirteen sixty three enjoined that servants of lords should have once a day flesh or fish and remnants of milk butter and cheese and above all ploughmen were to eat moderately and the proclamations of edward the fourth and henry the eighth used to restrain excess in eating and drinking all previous statutes as to abstaining from meat and fasting were repealed in the time of edward the sixth by new enactments and in order that fishermen might live all persons were bound under penalty to eat fish on fridays or saturdays or in lent the old and the sick excepted the penalty in queen elizabeth's time was no less than three pounds or three months imprisonment but at the same time added that whoever preached or taught that eating of fish was necessary for the saving of the soul of man or was the service of god was to be punished as a spreader of false news and care was taken to announce that the eating of fish was enforced not out of superstition but solely out of respect to the increase of fishermen 
and mariners the exemption of the sick from these penalties was abolished by james i and justices were authorized to enter victualling houses and search and forfeit the meat found there all these preposterous enactments were swept away in the reign of victoria of all the petty subjects threatening the cognizance of the law none seems to have given more trouble to the ancient and medieval legislatures than that of dress yet views of morality of repressing luxury and vice of benefiting manufacturers of keeping all degrees of mankind in their proper places have induced the legislature to interfere where interference in order to be thorough would require to be as endless as it would be objectless Salone prohibited women from going out of the town with more than three dresses zeleucus is said to have invented an ingenious method of circuitously putting down what he thought bad habits namely by prohibiting things with an exception so that the exception should in the guise of an exemption really carry out the sting and operate as a deterrent thus he forbade a woman to have more than one maid unless she was drunk he forbade her to wear jewels or embroidered robes or go abroad at night except she was a prostitute he forbade all but panders to wear gold rings or fine cloth and it was said that he succeeded admirably in his legislation the spartans had such a contempt for cowards that those who fled in battle were compelled to wear a low dress of patches and shape and moreover to wear a long beard half shaved so that any one meeting them might give them a stroke the opium law of rome restricted women in their dress and extravagance and the roman knights had the privilege of wearing a gold ring the ancient babylonians held it to be indecent to wear a walking-stick without an apple a rose or an eagle engraved on the top of it the first inca of peru is said to have made himself popular by allowing his people to wear earrings a distinction formerly confined to the royal family by the code of china the dress of the people was subject to minute regulation and any transgression was punished by fifty blows of the bamboo and he who omitted to go into mourning on the death of a relation or laid it aside too soon was similarly punished don edward of portugal in fourteen thirty four passed a law to suppress luxury in dress and diet and with his nobles set an example in florence a like law was passed in fourteen seventy one and in venice laws regulating nearly all the expenses of families in table clothes gaming and travelling a law of the muscovites obliged the people to crop their beards and shorten their clothes in zurich a law prohibited all except strangers to use carriages and in basel no citizen or inhabitant was allowed to have a servant behind his carriage about twelve ninety two philip the fair of france by edict ordered how many suits of clothes and at what price and how many dishes at tables should be allowed and that no woman should keep a cur the irish laws regulated the dress and even its colors according to the rank and station of the wearer and the Bihan laws forbade men to wear brooches so long as to project and be dangerous to those passing near in scotland a statute enacted that women should not come to kirk or market with their faces covered and that they should dress according to their estate in the city of london in the thirteenth century women were not allowed to wear 
in the highway or the market a hood furred with other than lambskin or rabbitskin in the middle ages it was not infrequent to compel prostitutes to wear a particular dress so that they might not be mistaken for other women and this was the law in the city of london as appears from records of thirteen fifty one and thirteen eighty two the views and objects of english legislators as to the general subject of dress however preposterous in our eyes were grave and serious enough they were so confident of their ground that it was recited that wearing inordinate and expensive apparel was a displeasure to god was an impoverishing of the realm and enriching of other strange realms and countries to the final destruction of the husbandry of the realm and leading to robberies the statue of diet and apparel in thirteen sixty three and the latter statues minutely fixed the proper dress for all classes according to their estate and the price they were to pay handicraftsmen were not to wear clothes above forty shillings and their families were not to wear silk or velvet and so with gentlemen and esquires merchants knights and clergy according to graduations ploughmen were to wear a blanket and a linen girdle no female belonging to the family of a servant in husbandry was to wear a girdle garnished with silver every person beneath a lord was to wear a jacket reaching to his knees and none but a lord was to wear pikes to his shoes exceeding two inches fourteen sixty three nobody but a member of the royal family was to wear cloth of gold or purple silk and none under a knight to wear velvet damask or satin or foreign wool or fur of sable it is true notwithstanding all these restrictions that a license of the king enabled the licensee to wear anything for one whose income was under twenty pounds to wear silk in his nightcap was to incur three months imprisonment or a fine of ten pounds a day and above all the age of six except ladies and gentlemen were bound to wear on the sabbath day a cap of knitted wool these statutes of apparel were not repealed until the reign of james i sometimes though rarely a legislature has gone the length of suddenly compelling an entire change of dress among the people for reasons at the time thought urgent in china a law was passed to compel the tartars to wear chinese clothes and to compel the chinese to cut their hair with a view to unite the two races and it was said that there were many who preferred martyrdom to obedience so late as seventeen forty six a statute was passed to punish with six months imprisonment and on a second offence with seven years transportation the scottish highlanders men or boys who wore their national costume or tartan plaid it being conceived to be closely associated with a rebellious disposition after thirty-six years the statute was repealed while the act was in force it was evaded by people carrying their clothes in a bag over their shoulders the prohibition was hateful to all as impeding their agility in scaling the craggy steeps of their native fastnesses in seventeen forty eight the punishment assigned by the act of seventeen forty six was changed into compulsory service in the army plato says it is one of the unwritten laws of nature that a man shall not go naked into the market-place or wear woman's clothes the mosaic law forbade men to wear women's clothes which was thought to be a mode of discountenancing the assyrian rites of venus the early christians following a passage of st paul first corinthians eleven 
treated the practice of men and women wearing each other's clothes as confounding the order of nature and as liable to heavy censure of anathema there was formerly rigorous punishment of persons poaching game with blackened faces those who hunted in forests with faces disguised were declared to be felons and as disguises led to crime and mummers often were pretenders all who assumed disguise or visors as mummers and attempted to enter houses or committed assaults on highways were liable to be arrested and committed to prison for three months without bail the mosaic law prohibited the practice of using alhenna or putting an indelible color on the skin as was done on occasions of mourning or in resemblance of the dead or in honor of some idol and two fashions of wearing the beard and hair were prohibited as has been supposed on account of idolatrous association even bacon said he wondered there was no penal law against painting the face to be continued end of section nine